welcome to the first ever Vetspective for Vets podcast, the new home of vet know-how and knowledge sharing. Each month, our leading farm vets will delve into the hot topic of the time, sharing experiences and expertise from across the industry and our group of leading practices. My name is Amy Saran, and I'm a farm vet from West Point in the Southeast. And along with my co-host, Claire Whittle, Hello. we'll be hosting today's discussion on one of the most important and often overlooked aspects of a vet's role on farm, mental health. Joining us today is David Anderson. So David is a practicing farm vet who has fully embraced his ever-changing role. So no longer as vets are we just on farm to treat the livestock. In truly rural locations, we can perhaps be the only person that a farmer may see in a day or the only link to the outside world, or maybe even the sole point of solace. So what tools do we need to have at our disposal to make sure we leave a supported farmer in our wake? We're also going to delve into the sensitive subject of the mental wellbeing challenge our vets themselves often face, with long working hours, high expectations, and an all too often challenging work-life balance. So David, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. So David, this is such an important discussion point, especially in the light of the COVID-19 pandemic and obviously the subsequent lockdown that impacted us all and and all of our farmers in some shape or form. So how have you found that your farmers have been coping? There's obviously no need for specifics, but uh, in general. Um, to be perfectly honest, they've, they're coping very well. Um, life hasn't changed a great deal for them. Quite a few of them don't see an awful lot of people anyway um the only people that they do tend to see might be tanker drivers feed merchants people like that and they they socially distance from them anyway so um to be perfectly honest it, it's not affected them a great deal and again most of them have their own little bubbles already i suppose you would say because they they have the same people who work on farm day in day out be it close family members or, or friends or things like that so to be perfectly fair, they, they're, they're coping generally very well, um, I would say. I think, I think they've probably been affected a bit less than the majority of the, um, of the, majority of the population, in, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Do you think some of the social aspects of things may have changed for them in terms of, I know, like for some farmers, maybe going to the market might be quite a social event? Yeah, I think that's probably, I think that's probably the biggest effect it has had, if you wanted to, to, to go down on, on a certain effect. Um, I mean, depending on the setups, sometimes the, 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 the market day tends to be the old dad's job or something like that because he, he doesn't do as much around the farm anymore, but he, he likes the, the social aspect of going to the, going to the market. So that, that's probably, for, for some farmers, yes, that's probably the, the biggest aspect that, that's had a change. Um, you know, that, that would probably be their big weekly social event, if you like, of the of, of, of going to going to the market, that would be their biggest social event. So yeah, it has affected them on on, on that level, I would say. Um, although conversely I have had a few who said they actually quite like it because now when they get to market, they just get there, unload everything, everything's washed, cleaned, and then they go again and it takes up much less time of part of their day. So so yeah, some some of them actually quite like the the new arrangements to be perfectly honest. But I can't say all of them do, but yeah, some of them do like those arrangements as well. And in terms of with your vet practice as well, so with mental health no longer being the taboo subject that it once was, how have you prepared yourself and um, those in your practice to deal with any uh, mental health issues that arise, whether it's COVID or, or, or not related to COVID? 
it, yes, it's certainly not taboo anymore. I would say it's it's certainly not discussed as much as it should be. We're, we're getting there. Doing things like this are obviously very, is obviously very helpful. I would say the the most important thing that, that we've probably found is to is to keep in touch with one another. Again, it's the, the the social aspect. Maybe that's the wrong word, but you know, when you're in the office together, it gives you a chance to to catch up with each other, find out what's happening on different farms, farms you don't tend to go to that somebody else may go to much more than you do. Um, and to, to keep in touch. So that's probably the biggest challenge we've certainly found is, is, is that aspect of trying to, trying to keep in touch with one another. We use the, the, um, the online platforms. Obviously, we, we still try and do our, do our weekly or fortnightly meetings, but obviously it has to be virtual rather than it being um, face-to-face. And we have a, a WhatsApp group that, that we use every single day as well. We, we use that normally when we're, we're out working anyway, but that probably gets used even more now. So we, we, we keep in touch with one another. I think that's probably the, the, biggest, um, the biggest issue, especially if you have younger vets who maybe live alone or, or don't live with any, anybody, you know, they're, they're house sharing or something like that, rather than those of us who live with, with partners and, um, you know, wives, girlfriends, pets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think the, the, the biggest challenge would be for the, for the, for the younger vets who, who I say either live alone or, or don't necessarily live with people that they can talk to very easily. They're probably the biggest, um, probably have the biggest effect, I would have said. I think that's something I've really felt. I'm sure you have too, Amy. I felt more like an independent vet going out on my own and not necessarily having that contact in the office when you come back in. It's been a little bit strange. Yeah, it, certainly. It's also been strange for, for our administrative assistants who are in the office because, you know, I think for all that we may be very annoying vets, like they do bounce off us and they do, you know, like to have a chat with their team midway through the day. Um, and we are missing that. And I think crucially, you know, when you can see a colleague come in, you know, at the end of a day and, and you can see in their face they've had a tough day and that is lost when we are in virtual contact or um, or just on the phone. And I think that can seeing that can help nip in the bud you know potential issues and that's been hard to get over yeah i would i would definitely agree with you there yeah i i found that again when if somebody's seen a a, a particularly difficult case or troubling case and then they want to come back and speak and you know bounce an idea either off a, a, another colleague or a more experienced colleague have you seen anything like this or or etc or something like that yeah that that's not been possible um, or somebody just wants to talk through a case that they've seen and said, right, well, I did A, B, C, D, E, F. Have I missed X, Y, Z or not? And you go, no, 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 you've, you've done everything. That That's exactly what I would have done. You know, no problems there at all. Um, so, yeah, that, that is something that I think um, people have been missing is that ability to just, just very easily talk around cases um, without, without having to particularly make any sort of effort to do it you know as you say you just come in you see somebody oh how did you get on at mr so-and-so's and then they'll say oh well i saw this and it looked like that etc etc so yeah that that is as i say it's the it's the, the socially type aspect i think that's affected the vets more than anything in terms of sort of um general mental health and, and well-being is there anything that um vet partners offer in terms of people to talk to um outside the box we all have access to the to the health shield which is probably the biggest and easiest thing because that's literally just a phone number that you just you just dial it whenever you like pick it up and and you'll and you will get some help on the other end of it um and then obviously there's all the national organizations that we know about samaritans mind etc etc but in terms of, of for us we we have that 
that bespoke ser- bespoke service, um, I suppose is the, the best way of saying it. Then there's also, if you're going sort of outside and going to some of the, the more rural, one of the organisations that I would always tend to, to signpost farmers and people to is, is Rabi. That's the one that I tend to use a lot if I ever need to signpost anybody else to anything. Is the that's the the common one that I would um, I would use, and then also we have the we obviously have the wellbeing group, which is which is the board that I sit on, which then does does various things and, and tries to come up with ideas to improve the the wellbeing of of everybody within within the group, be it farm vets, equine vets, small vets, admin nurses. It doesn't it doesn't matter. We, we try and look after everybody's wellbeing and try and come up with ideas to improve everybody's wellbeing that we can which is a, a nice thing to have. It's the, the first time I've ever been in, involved or, or had anything like that available to me to be involved in. So I am grateful that that, that exists and it's here. Yeah, so we, we also have a, um, a wellbeing group. Um, and like you said, like we work on initiatives to try and drive more proactive um, approaches to improving mental health. So do you want to talk us through some of the initiatives that you like the sound of? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a there's been a few things that we've that we've that we've had and that we've got going, and a few things in in the in the pipeline as well. We do a, a monthly a monthly newsletter that's distributed throughout Vet Partners, which is just very short, very quick, just with um, either ideas for things for, for people to do or um, anecdotes, stories, things like that. Then there are the wellbeing champions who are basically uh, volunteers. Um, again, they can be vets, nurses, administrative staff. It doesn't really matter who exist across across the group in various different practices. And they're basically there as a, as a point of contact. Um, obviously, vets or whoever would, can speak to their line managers, can speak to their immediate bosses. Um, but if for some reason they, they feel that they can't or they don't want to, for, for whatever reason, then the, the wellbeing champions are, are people who are there who can, who can offer an ear, listen to people and then offer, well, basically signpost, should I say, to the various bits of help that are available um, just to help people along, you know, by, by no means, you know, not trained counsellors, not anything like that. There's nothing that we're expected to deal with in terms of that, but we act as, as a point of contact so we can signpost people to, to other organisations or other people within the organisation that may be able to to help them with, with particular issues or particular problems, just so people don't feel alone, basically. That's the, that's the major thing. Have you made any, any physical changes in the practice to enhance well-being and help improve mental health? It depends kind of what you mean by that. I mean, one of the, one of the daftest things, if you like, was um, little things that I did was to get the, um, the Vet Life key rings. So the, um, the, it's about a £2 donation to Vet Life, which obviously is a good organisation to, to donate to. And then they, they send you however many pay for each one. You get X number of key rings. And then I distributed them to all the staff within within our practice, just so everybody has a, a very quick point of, of contact. Again, goes on the car keys, so you can you always have your car keys with you. So the idea being is that if you if you need that immediate that immediate help, that uh, that immediate point, then yes, you've you've got that that you can that you can look at and, and just get in touch with somebody. Um, I've I've had dealings with them before, and I can say that they're they're very very helpful people. I, I was just going to say VetLife are, are absolutely fantastic, and I do think they've they've done an awful lot for our profession. And I just wondered what you thought the particular challenges of farm vetting were uh, as regards mental health. 
Um, well, if you if you're talking about generally, then I suppose it's the the usual things. The as I say, the the loan working again, especially I I do think of the of the of the younger vets. If you end up with a, a job that's um, fairly isolated or away from friends and family, depending on whereabouts in the country you end up or whereabouts you would like to work, and and what are the age of the other vets that you end up working with, you might find that you're you know you're one of the you're, you're the youngest vet, and everybody else is is older than you has families and other things so you can end up being isolated in that way um long hours can obviously be an issue you know the most farm vets if not all farm vets do at least some degree of on at least some degree of on call some places will share on call with neighboring practices etc some do their own completely their own on call so again that can be challenging um depending on on again what you're used to and what you're not i've got a nine-month-old son at home so lack of sleep comes quite naturally at the minute um but it can be can be very very difficult if you have a very a very heavy night on call um can make it very difficult and then again depending on what regions of the country you're in i mean derbyshire tb is a huge issue a huge problem here um so we do spend a reasonable amount of time tb testing and that can be fairly stressful when you're um, finding a lot of reactors and sending a, a lot of reactors um, on a one-way ticket to uh, to the slaughterhouse um, that can be very uh, yeah that can be very very challenging um, on on farms. I've seen a lot of that over 15 years of vetting, and um, yeah, it doesn't get I wouldn't yeah it doesn't get easier to do. It's just not a nice part of the job. I think what you brought up, David, which I think is really important, is that it's just talking to someone, so whoever that person may be. And I also think never really underestimating the support that some of your colleagues will give you. I know myself, I've suffered and well, and still do suffer with some anxiety about a certain part and a certain aspect of our role. And I think I felt probably a bit like a lesser vet because of that. But actually, when I ended up talking to my colleagues about it, they were really, really supportive. They organised things like extra training in that area. They again signposted places for me to go and get a bit of extra help. And actually saying the words out loud, although that was the hardest part of it, it's actually become so much easier to deal with since then. Yeah, I, I agree totally. It's it's part of, of what I would always suggest. If, if, you, if you ever suspect that a, a colleague, a friend or whatever has um, or is struggling, should I say, the easiest thing you can do is just is, is offer an ear. You know, again, as I said before, nobody's expecting you to be a counsellor. Nobody's expecting you to, to fix it there and then. That's one thing we do sometimes have to get out of our minds is, that, OK, we're, we vet, we're vets. Our job is to fix things and we can't fix everything and we can't fix everything overnight and we can't fix everything immediately. So, yeah, I think just a lot of the time just listening, offer, offering an ear to somebody, you know, non-judgmental and just just listening to somebody can can help an awful lot and you must never never underestimate how much that can mean to somebody who is in who is in who is struggling or who is in trouble just offering an ear for somebody to listen is can be it can have a major major effect i think asking twice i think someone mentioned that to me once if you ask somebody once if they're all right they're quite often likely to say yes i'm okay but actually, if you ask twice, if someone says, yes, they're fine, you say, are you, are you really OK? Quite often that will be the point when someone feels like they can actually say something. So we work for an organisation that really bolsters uh, mental health awareness and, and gives us all of these resources. We have the, the, the groups and the access to helplines. 
I think some people's um, fear is that they will not be listened to in, in yeah. their practices or, or their situations, um, or they've already said that they sort of feel uneasy about something and they, they felt it's fallen on deaf ears. So what is your advice for those people that aren't as lucky as, as we are? That's difficult. Um, if you've, if you've obviously, if you've raised concerns with a with a, a more senior member of, of staff and they have dismissed them for want of a better term, um, that's not a good place to be in. Obviously, if you have something like that, then you, you basically you have to go to to external. You know, you have to go to external help. Um, Vet Life, who we've already mentioned, they would always be one of my my major ports of call. Because as I say, you just just pick up the phone and you can talk to a you can talk to somebody. Or they'll ring you back very quickly if necessary. Um, somebody who's trained to deal with it. Um, and as I say they're often they have quite a few times they can be their vets with the veterinary background, so they understand the, the troubles and the problems and everything that comes with the profession. So they would be my they would be my number one piece of advice definitely. Then obviously you've got you've got your doctor um there again okay it can be slightly hit and miss depending on whereabouts you are um but nowadays as we've sort of mentioned before about it no longer being the same taboo subject that it was um most health professionals and most doctors will be very supportive and will be helpful in my experience they, they have been so i would say that those would be the, the two organizations that would kind of jump to the top of my list and then you've got the general ones people like mind again who are helpful very very helpful and then you've got the usual samaritans and then people like that as well um but yeah top of my list would be gp and and vet life they would be the two if you if you honestly can't get any support within your own practice um i would hope or i would i would think i would hope that that's becoming a lot less common um i think we're fooling ourselves if we say that it doesn't exist because it damn well does but i would hope that it is becoming slightly less of an issue than it than it used to and it's one of the things that really gets my goat so i, I, I will try not to tell it too much but it really makes me quite angry that um when when people dismiss um, when people dismiss mental health because yeah it just it just shouldn't happen no you are you are absolutely right definitely so i guess i wanted to to move on to how we try and avoid issues on farm or how you think we can spot um, issues on farm you know if you if you feel like the farm is going to need more support going forward so it's it's often it's often easier once you've been on farm for a little bit longer or been around for a wee bit longer because you 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 get to know the farmer's personality because i would say the probably the one of the the, the main signs that you'll probably you would probably see in a farmer is a change in character so but obviously you can't pick up that change until you've got a rough idea of what their character is already um, you know, we all know we've got some farmers who are very serious and we've got some farmers who are very jovial and, and sort of all the, the massive spectrum in between. Because I would say that, the, 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 yeah, the most common thing that you would probably see would be a change in that behaviour. So you might have a you might have a farmer who is normally quite chatty, you know, wants to discuss the weather or football or, or whatever. And uh, you you would see a, a change in that, in that behaviour. The other thing that I suppose that you might see that, the common thing that you might see is is sometimes an inability to make decisions which i know sounds a bit daft but that can be something again you've got farmers just like we've got people some people are much better at making decisions than others um but again it's a it's a change in that you know just an inability to make any sort of a a decision of um you know even a very minor decision 
that might be another thing that you would possibly see because as the, the sort of certain warning signs which you are not you, you won't see because you're not with them 24 7 you're only going to see them for a very short snapshot be it half an hour an hour half a day a full day depending on what it is that you're doing so i'd say those are probably going to be the two most common things that you may see as i say a, a change in personality or something like that and again it's something that i would always um, go go back to what claire was mentioning before about saying you know ask twice you know if you if you just if you're just chatting and you you sort of you're asking are you okay and you get the yeah yeah, yeah i'm fine and you're just not 100 percent convinced you say just are you sure you sure everything's fine and then and that's it i certainly wouldn't do anything you know no nothing with high pressure nothing with any sort of intensity or anything like that just you know just a very pleasant are you okay how are you um that type of thing and it's also a very good reason for never refusing a cup of tea on farm or a cup of coffee or a biscuit or a cake or a flapjack or or anything like that because i uh, uh depending on which farm you're on because again, it's a way, especially when you first start somewhere, it's something good to uh, get to know the farmers. Um, but then it also gives you that chance just to check that everybody's okay afterwards. So that was a piece of advice that was given to me many, many years ago when I was a, when I was a student, and I I resolved to follow that advice, um, especially if it's homemade flapjack. I think we um, sometimes underestimate our role as well in that position as a vet on the farm because we're often that trusted person who are bound by confidentiality rules and I think people think they can talk to us and I think opening your, just opening your eyes a little bit sometimes and looking around you can sometimes like you said those things that can be quite small but might be quite significant for that farmer in terms of things like making decisions that become more difficult and you just start to notice something but just picking up on those um, and often how easy people will talk to you about their problems. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's happened a little bit over the um, over the years. I, I, you know, farmers have told me things that, that have sort of taken me aback when they when they've said when they've said them. They weren't expecting me to to help solve the problem, and really at that point, they just wanted somebody external who was independent from the whole situation just to sit and listen to them. And just to just to sympathise, you know, just to sympathise with what they were what they were saying, and as you say, just offer a, an ear because there's, there's quite a few farmers who, who won't see many people, especially with the now with the market. You know, their 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 daily visitor will be the tanker driver. They'll see the the guy delivering the feed and delivering some straw, maybe, and that might be it. Um, and none of those people stay for any length of time. So yeah, we as you say, we we can sometimes be a a bit of a link to the to the outside world and um yes i i agree totally never to um never underestimate your uh, your role and your position it's probably worth also signposting to the farming community network they are a really great bunch of, of farm-based volunteers that can uh, lend an ear to farmers but but the the difficulty i suppose sometimes is just getting the farmers to ring because you can't disclose anything but it's it's a good resource to hand out because they are always there for them yeah obviously yes it's not something that you can unless unless you think obviously if somebody was in an immediate danger then you would have to do something but um yeah in in 99.9 percent of um any circumstances um yes you you can just signpost um people to to, to yes organizations such as that it's just a yeah, it's useful just having a, a, a small list. I'll say normally just one or two in, in the back of your mind that you can just 
um, refer somebody to if um, you know if you're if you're worried about them or if they just want to want that little bit of extra help. But you you must let them do it. Um, don't don't do it yourself. You can obviously discuss your worries with with colleagues and things like that. But you know that they have to take the ultimate um, the ultimate step. Um, because you you can't you know as I say unless there's a dire emergency you can't betray that confidentiality. There is a phone number now available, I believe, from um, farminghelp.co.uk, which you can call, and I think that's a joined-up charity. So that's between the farming community, run by the farming community network, um, but also um, deals with Rabbi and um, the Addington Fund, which looks at housing and forage aid as well. So there's just one number on there um, that you can call, um, or that farmers can call if they want to. So we will definitely make sure that all of those links to helplines and the numbers are in the notes for the podcast. So if you do want to take advantage of any of those resources, then they will be there in in the uh, podcast notes for you. So thank you very much, David. That was a really enlightening and helpful interview. But I just wanted to introduce a small um, graduate section um, just so that we can learn how to put things that we've talked about into practice. How many times have you attended a webinar or listened to a lecture and thought, oh, well, that's all well and good, but how do I actually put this into practice? Well, we hear you. Each month on our Vetspective for Vets podcast, we'll spend a few minutes explaining how you can turn lessons learned in the podcast into real life skills. So this week, we've heard all about how important the safeguarding of mental health is, but are there quick fire tips on how we can work to recognise poor mental health and improve it in ourselves, our colleagues and our clients? So I think the, the the most common things that you would you would see both in in farmers and in colleagues as well um, is things that say changes in behaviour, uh, inability to to make a decision, even a very simple decision, basically just withdrawing. So if it's somebody that would normally come to um, a social event or would want to chat something like that, they sort of pull back into themselves. Some other things that you might see are um, things such as punctuality going out the window. I mean, we've all got friends and colleagues who are more punctual than others, um, but but it's a, ch- a change in that. So those of us who are those of us who are punctual become unpunctual. Those of us who are unpunctual become even more unpunctual. And um, yeah, just and, and if I may, I'll say the other things that I was just thinking the the types of things that I would say to um, myself or a, or a new grad with the things that I've learned as I've as I've got that wee bit older just to, things to try and help look after yourself. So end of the day, switch off, go home. If it doesn't need to be done today, do it tomorrow. When you, especially when you're young, okay, you want to be enthusiastic. You want to show that you're, you're willing and you want to get your work done and you want to do everything, but just go home. Um, and if you're not on call, turn off the phone, put it upstairs, put it in a drawer. Um, you know, it rules your life enough during the day. Don't let it rule your life when you're, when you're not at work. Do something you enjoy, regardless of what it is, be it walking, running, cycling, jogging, reading a book, gardening, walking the dog, TVs, films, doesn't matter what it is. Just do something that switches your brain off from work, especially if you're a new grad. You're going to work for 25, 35, 40 years. You've got plenty of time to be working. So just switch off. This is maybe slightly controversial, but things will die no matter what you do. Don't blame yourself. You have, if you've done your best and you've done everything that you thought you could do, stuff will still die and stuff will still go wrong. And it's regardless of whether you did it, whether I did it, whether anybody else did it, there's nothing that you could have done. Um, so don't dwell on it. Don't blame yourself. If there's anything that you can learn from it, learn from it. 
apart from that, you know, the earth will still turn, the sun will still rise. You know, it's not the end of the world. Another thing that's taken me a few years to learn is, um, is put the effort into helping those. This is from a clinical point of view, put the effort into helping those that want to be helped. You can spend a lot of time trying to help somebody who doesn't want your or not doesn't want your advice but won't follow your advice and all you're doing is wasting your own energy i know that might sound because i'm older and a bit more cynical but it's something that that i've certainly learned it's not worth wasting it's not worth wasting your energy um and then finally i'd say don't be afraid to seek help if you need help ask for it be it a friend a colleague a family member a loved one whoever um, if you need help, just ask for it. We have too many vets burning out and too many people suffering with, with mental health in this profession. So just seek help, please just seek help. Thank you for that, David. And thank you very much for your time today. If anyone would like to learn any more about mental health or anything we've discussed today or any of the links, please look on our website, www.vetpartnersgroup.com. And please don't hesitate to contact us. So very interesting chat there with David. Um, Claire, should we just talk about maybe our coping mechanisms and stuff that we've found helpful in practice? I was suppose I was particularly interested in how you might cope with reactions when you deliver bad news to clients. I think the reaction to TB can be very different and it varies from person to person. I think sometimes um, you can deal with quite a lot of sadness, particularly I think when I've had herds where I've dealt with with farmers that have lost a lot of young stock and that's been quite difficult and I think empathy there is really important in that situation so that you're aware of what the farmer's feeling and you're taking that on board as well and it's not easy for us I don't think either in those situations because it feels like sometimes your our job is about saving is about saving things and making things better and that's what you want to think is going to happen and with TB it feels like that's not often the case because it I think as well, you're often looking at animals that appear to be healthy on the outside. And I think that's really difficult for vets. And it's obviously very, very difficult for the people that own those animals. And I think you, you do, you face very different emotions. I mean, you must have come across um, potential angry situations as well. Yeah, I think, I think it's a natural reaction to, to bad news or, or unexpected news to, to be angry. And obviously you are the messenger at that point, like regardless of whether you're a, a government agent or a vet or even the client's sort of friend, um, you're giving them the bad news. And yeah, anger's going to come out. But I suppose you have to, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Like stand back from that and rationalise that none of you came to work today to annoy the other person, to upset the other person. And their reaction is not because of something you did and it's not about you. And I think that's the hardest thing to, um, to take yourself away from and almost you have to compartmentalize, don't you? Be like, this isn't about me. Definitely. I think that's it. It's, it's, it's often not about you and the anger. I think sometimes with anger, if you actually listen um, to what people are saying, it's not at you. It's at a situation rather than physically directed um, towards you. It's very, very rare. I think that anyone actually gets angry at you. That's, that's not usually the case. It's usually the situation that's led to that. I mean, and like we said, there's anger, there's sadness. Um, I mean, there's sometimes when you, de- you have the opposite end of the scale, when you're delivering good news as well, that's always a really nice thing to do. <laughs> or <laughs> So I think there's, yeah, there's definitely different emotions. I think sometimes the most difficult one 
like if somebody's angry or they're sad, that's an obvious response. Sometimes the quiet situations can be difficult too, where someone doesn't really say anything at all. And then you, you're not really quite sure where you stand. Um, and I think offering reassurance there as well is, 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 can be quite useful. Or checking they've understood. Because sometimes, you know, silence is like processing time. And then you have to sort of come away again and be like, do you, are you fully aware of, you know, how this is going to go? Do you need more guidance? Do you need this explaining a different way? It's so hard to pitch. But certainly, like, anger, I think, is the one that we worry about, I think, the most. And if you were being very wise about it, you'd be like, anger is just people begging for empathy. And that's yeah. what you've got to provide. Um, you understand other, you know, recognize that other people have also been angry too, but we've all got together and found a solution, whether it's, you know, it might be a very long way in the future, the solution, but at least in, in letting you know that you have this reactor, we've potentially saved more lives in the herd. And that's so hard to do in situations that look really bleak. I think, yeah, I don't think you're right. And I think what we do sometimes, and I know I'm terribly guilty of this, and is I really feel, you really do feel that other person's pain, but you can take that home with you a lot and it can play on your mind when you're at home and you can suddenly have a, a lot of people's worries. Um, and I, f- I do find it really difficult to step away from that. And it's come up before with me again where, things can get on top of you a little bit and it's knowing how to deal with that and and again that's where I find speaking to colleagues really really useful because quite often they've been in very similar situations and they can help you help you chat through that as well and I have chatted to people outside you know I think talking talking for me is really important I know it's not necessarily easy for everybody it's funny you should say that about like taking emotions home because as well as being vets on the ground who are employed because I'm a practice principal I'm also like an employer and my my team's emotions I take home with me like if they've had a bad day I feel bad and it's it's not my fault maybe there's things I can do to it to improve it or, or fix it um but but sometimes it's just not and it's so hard when I first got this job to not wear everyone else's emotional baggage it's a nightmare and the one thing that helped me was it's probably some sort of CBT thing. When I get like a, a bad news or something's happened, I have to say to myself now, will this still upset me this much tomorrow? Will this still upset me so much next week? So is it worth like using all my spoons now getting het up about it? Or is it worth me just maybe sitting on it for, for a day? And, and like 99% of the time, I'm definitely not as angry about something the next day or, or sad about it or I've had a thought in the middle of the night that's actually going to help me fix it. And that honestly has probably saved my job <laughs> on so many occasions. No, you're definitely right, matey. And I think what you just said there is really interesting about trying to fix something. And I think sometimes when people are upset or they're angry about something, they don't actually necessarily want you to fix anything, yet we feel this inherent need to make something better sometimes people just want to be listened to and want to and I know that with I I feel so much better after a rant yeah (laughs) about something that's happened or or, you know (laughs) once it's off your chest you feel better it's not that I necessarily want someone to do something about it you just want to be want to be heard there's this meme that's around somewhere it'll no doubt be posted on some inspirational Instagram somewhere and it's like you know sometimes I just 
need you to, to tell me that it's okay to have a have a rant. I just want you to let me be angry. Let me just sit with it for a minute. I don't want you to fix the problem. Just just let me have a little rant. Let me go all red in the face, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> it's very true. Very true. <laughs> uh, maybe a few tips people can can try for themselves. It would be really interesting to know from you guys listening if there are any coping mechanisms or tips that you can offer to us because clearly we need help um, or, you know, to the rest of the veterinary community. Um, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. So do catch up with us on our, our hashtags um, and through feedback through Vet Partners. That would be lovely. We'll be back in a month's time with more in-depth discussion and knowledge from the front line of farm vetting. But for now... Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Vetspective for Vets podcast, the new home of farm veterinary know-how for vets who want to stay in the know.